everybody to episode number 74 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. Uh, some people do. Some people call me stuff that's way worse that I'm not going to repeat on air, so uh, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, I am joined, uh, as usual, by my uh, co-host in life and on the podcasting circuit, uh, that would be Miss Ash- Ashes Von Nightmare. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone! Oh, shit, yeah, this comes out on Thanksgiving. Yeah. All can right. I do it? Can I do uh, it? Not yet. Not yet. We, can do, we can do it after. Okay. But I promise you can do it. You got a pinky promise? <laughs> I have a pinky promise. You got to kiss it. It's on it. radio. You got to kiss it. Okay. Right. You heard that. He pinky promised, and well, he kissed it. I saw it. We'll okay. All right. <laughs> So uh, we are also, as you can hear, by the man with the velvet voice. This is uh, Johnny Wolfenstein's uh, 952nd consecutive uh, podcast. I'm rounding up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make it an even uh, 10,000. How about that? All right. That sounds good. That sounds good. So was it uh, Trish Stratus or Lita who said those bad names about you? Uh, I think they, it was weird. It was almost <laughs> like they were a hive mind. Like they said it at the same time. It was so weird. Um yeah, that was that's a story for another time. <laughs> but uh, we are joined yet again by the uh, the gentleman who joined us last week. We're we're here with uh, Miles and Richie from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Uh, guys, say hi. Hey, is it okay if we just use Ralph Wiggum quotes again the whole episode? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you could, but I think that but might I'm detract away Wars. from uh, some of the other stuff we got going on in this episode. No, never. Oh. That's we'll try true. to blend it the best. Ash and I'll try to blend it the best we can. Oh yeah, I was yeah. Say like Ralph Wiggum <laughs> quotes in in moderation. They're they're like the black cracked peppercorns. I was going to call them bacon bits. Okay, they're the, you bacon, do the bits bacon bits. I was going a little in vegan, the salad but, of life. You know, mm, bacon. There you go. <sighs> With kale, is that what we're talking about again? Kale, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you again. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, it, man, the man with a badass name and the terrible diet. It's just going to kill you one day. Um, yeah, so we, we uh, if you joined us last week, you got to hear us talk about Ralph Wiggum. But uh, this time we're going to be a little more uh, broad. We're going to broaden our horizons and talk about more than just one character, which we don't normally do, but we have been doing a lot lately. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about... Uh, some fan theories and some theories that we have uh, about The Simpsons, uh, especially one that I know is a, a, a point of contention between Miles and Richie, and that's the Beastmaster Bart uh, theory. But I definitely want to make sure we get to that one. But uh, guys, what have you been? Uh, what have you been up to? How you been doing? You guys uh, had a, a really good guest on uh, on your show recently. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Let the folks know at home. I think what? he might be referring to Carolyn Omine, who we're lucky enough to have on recently. She is. I thought a... you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, clearly, but guests are welcome, Richie. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Carolyn Omine is a Simpsons writer and producer, and she's on the show now and 
has been for the last 20 years and she was kind enough to spend like two and a half hours dude it was ridiculous she was so generous with her time and i i think she genuinely i hope so that she had a a really good time just being a fan which is kind of our goal on the show we're fans of the show that just love reminiscing as you guys do so anytime we have guests or no, no matter who they are uh, be it somebody that works for The Simpsons or just as a friend of ours that, you know, we drag on once in a while just to have a good time. And and we really did with her two episodes worth. And she tells a lot of really great stories and gives some great insight, for, excuse me, insight from the writer's room at The Simpsons. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. Like whenever you can get like some inside details of something, I mean, listening to the director's commentary is one thing, but you know, getting a chance to, like, hear some inside stories, because you've had uh, a couple of other guests on. I'm totally drawing a blank. The uh, The guy that did uh, F is for Family. Michael, Michael Price. Price. Yes, yeah, that was a, a great episode. And he's great. That episode was great. Um, well, good news for you, sir. I'm going to go ahead and announce. I just, I haven't actually, this is going to be an announcement for our show. I have not even announced this Ooh. yet, but Michael Price will actually be joining us again in January to cover the episode Homer and Apu. It might actually air uh, early February, now that I say that. We'll have the conversation in January, though, so we're really excited to have him back on the show. He's a great dude. And he was really funny. Like, you know, the three of you guys, it was almost like you guys had been, you know, you know, podcasting the three of you for, you know, years because, like, you guys had such a great rapport with him. And he, like, the flow was so good between the three of you. It was... uh, Really fun episode, and I look forward to I think to that. that's just a testament to how awesome Michael Price is because that was actually <laughs> uh, one of our – We, frankly, especially when we listened back closely at the beginning, Richie and I are both nervous as fuck in that one because we're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, because this is the first time we really talked to anybody that works at the chili cook Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Michael is just so chill and such a fun guy to talk to. And re- like you said, he's really funny. We had a similar sense of humor. Uh, so it was really, really easy. And he made, and, and a lot of that was on him because he's, he's so, uh, just such a good guy that, uh, he, he made that really easy. And we had an absolute blast talking with him. We can't wait to talk to him again and again. And, uh, for an episode like Homer and a Pooh, I feel like we're going to have a lot of fun things to say. Oh, yeah. That's a, that, and that's a great episode. Exactly. Yeah, they, we we've managed to get the Simpsons writers. They they specifically, I give them the choice of what episode they want, and uh, so far they picked some good ones. Michael did Homer the Hair Tick the first time, and Carolyn did Cape Fear. So I mean, those are two of the best episodes that we've covered so far through the early part of season five. When you first started your statement off earlier, when you said honestly it was a really really great job, and then I swear I thought you were going to say of me editing the show together, and I was going to give you pops for it. Like I really thought that's the route that you were taking, and you're just trying to be, you know, self-aggrandizing. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't edit that episode. I'm not saying I'm not great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, your words, but I'm not going to argue. Are you really comparing yourself to our Lord? Well, in terms of bowling ability. (laughs) Uh, So I I do have to point out one thing that I did, uh, mainly because of you, Richie, and... um, I had to go out and get The Simpsons a complete guide to our favorite family. Um, I had to do it. As did I, Patrick. As did I. <laughs> I think it's, this, a great, it's a great read. It is. Like, it's something that I had um, years ago, and I don't know what happened to it, because I was in like my early 20s when I got this, and that was over a decade and a half ago. So um, 
Yeah, and like, you know, we've all watched these episodes dozens of times, but there's always little things that you don't uh, pick up. And there's something that I, I wanted to mention because uh, I remember listening to one of your recent episodes, and uh, Richie, it was you that keeps bringing up the uh, the Les Miserables reference. Reference? Reference? <laughs> Reference. Yes, it's a reference. That's a perfectly cromulent word. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> um, there's also another recurring gag that you'll see in The Simpsons. Um, and not just The Simpsons, but pretty much anything animated. Uh, you'll see it a lot in uh, Toy Story and the Pixar films. It's the numbers A113. Yes, sir. That's, uh, for folks who are not familiar with it, that's the... Uh, classroom number where a lot of these folks go to learn animation and uh, you'll see it you know on a license plate or you'll see it on a sideshow bob's um you know prison, prison number yep yep uh we don't we don't mean to simpsons did it to you here but we actually talked just a little bit about that in our season one episode of crusty gets busted our finale episode we we don't dive super deep into it but we do discuss that number and its history uh, especially throughout the pixar films mm-hmm. uh just a little bit in that episode but just just so everyone knows we do apologize and realize our audio quality was was questionable back then thank you for <laughs> Sticking with us through the the dark ages of our microphones history. Yeah, you know, you always get better as you as you move along. Um, you know, you you improve as a as a podcaster, not only as uh, you know your your audio quality. I mean, like half the time we have Wolfie making us sound awesome. Well, it's awesome, dude. We need to get us a Wolfie, Rich. Like, I don't know where you buy one of those things, but it seems like it's fucking worth it. Uh, it is. I, I wish I had one Wolfie and zero dollars. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to say I'm expensive, but Zero when it comes down to it, I'm really cheap. So <laughs> you, you just we you, all are, brother. We all are. You slip them some kale every now and then, and <laughs> hold, hold the bacon. <laughs> That's pretty win-win in my book. Yeah, right. I don't have to eat the kale, and I have Wolfie here. So I mean, now, uh, as I mentioned in uh, last week's episode. Uh, if you guys are are interested in, in seeing what Wolfie looks like, and he's a very handsome man, uh, oh pshaw! If you're interested <laughs> in seeing what Wolfie looks like, you know, to match that uh, amazing voice that he has, because uh, he's as handsome as he as as he sounds, uh, and I meant that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on what you think of my voice. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's again a Simpsons reference. Sultry. Oh, <laughs> yes. Homer, you're as you're as smart as you are handsome. Hey, <laughs> oh, you meant that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, Trick or treat. Should we, radio. should we leave the room? Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> Trick or treat radio on uh, Trick or Treat Radio dot com live every Wednesday. You get to see uh, Wolfie host uh, uh, his show, Trick or Treat Radio. Oh, coming up, they got episode. 277 last week wolfie you guys had uh tim capello on uh, that's this week uh for two oh uh, yeah back in time i traveled yes. forward yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like wait a minute am i is my that was a it was such a great interview yeah it was yeah a great guy i mean i'm sure <laughs> even though it was a radio interview i'm sure he oiled himself up nice and nice and good oh he sent us oil too we we greased ourselves up i mean oh, wow, I you would, slid right in there didn't you yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> Uh, and you didn't even have to wrestle any wolves. So uh, I think what we're going to do, we're going to take a, a, a break in a moment. 
but uh, we'll set this up. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, a couple of the fan theories that I've come across online, and I'm sure you guys have seen this. Uh, but we're also going to talk about a couple of the theories that you guys have. The Magical Maggie, the Unbreakable Homer, and the Beastmaster Bart theories. Because I really want to touch on that. For folks who don't uh, follow your show, which I'm sure they will after they listen to these these two episodes that you guys have joined Woo-hoo. us with. Um, you know, these are these are themes that pop up over and over and over again. And I happen to buy in on, uh, on some of these. Um <laughs> We'll discuss that a little more when we come back, but uh, yeah, we're also going to discuss the Simpsons have uh, one key trait between all of them, and it's it may not be Jaundice? what you think. Yeah, last name. They, <laughs> no, no. When I married your father, I took everything, including his DNA. <laughs> I mean, technically, that's true. That's where the kids came from. <laughs> yeah, babies she did. come from. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and we're going to start discussing this because this is a a subject that I really want to get your guys' thoughts on. So, Wolfie, if you please. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band. We destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and trick-or-treat radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This uh, podcast is now banned in Germany. It's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. Okay. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action. It had suspense. It had great characters. It had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci. Deuce that hate. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. And we've returned, and we're going to drop some serious Simpsons theories on you. Uh, Ashes, are you ready for some serious thim- Simpsons theories that I can't say? I'm a some Star Simpsons Wars. Simpsons theories. Simpson theories <laughs> starring Mike Tyson. <laughs> so, I, I, I promised Richie off-air that we would get to this one first. Richie, uh, I know this is a point of contention between uh, you and Miles, but why don't you expand uh, everyone's... Uh, uh, mental horizon here. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Beastmaster Bart theory that you've come up with. Well, thank you very much, Patty Cakes. Can I call you Patty Cakes? I really like it. <laughs> oh my you god, may. please do. <laughs> please do. I've been called way worse. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm going to go with that for 
Uh, first of all, let me start by saying in the episode last week, uh, you know, we, we live in Texas, so I have to say this for any Texans listening. You said Pecos when you talked about Pecos, Bill, and in Texas we say Pecos. So I have to, I, I'll get yelled at at some point if I don't say the Texan way. Fair um, so with that being pushed aside, we have theories on our show. Again, we're at Best Darn Diddly. That's D-I-D-D-L-Y. And different. each member of the Simpsons family has a particular Liam Neeson set of skills, so to speak. And we'll be getting in, into those today. But I find, with my remembrance of the Simpsons, that Bart is a beast master. And each time there's an episode with animals involved, Bart's very intertwined in the story, whether it be Santa's little helper or Stampy the elephant or when they get the horse or when he has the two pet lizards that have wings that can fly. And even the, the snake episode, when he learns a little lesson from Barry Manilow, or Barry White, excuse me, or it was Barry Manilow, I don't remember. It was right. Barry White. Yeah, Barry White. yeah it's Barry White, where he meets a, a, another grandmaster of beast mastery. I, it feels like Bart is learning to control animals in a lot of these episodes. Where In the Santa's Little Helper episode, when it comes to the point where they're about to get rid of the dog, when Bart is at his rawest the dog starts understanding him and doing what he wants him to. And he's been failing the whole episode at all the training. So it's not like the training's kicking in. It's something from Bart. It has to be. And that's just kind of the, the idea behind the theory. And it's fun to watch the episodes when you have theories like that in place. And I'll admit that Miles and I both twist a lot of episodes into fitting into our theories. But it doesn't mean they're not true. Well, <laughs> I would imagine that Bart getting this this skill, this talent, this innate ability i would imagine that would be a genetic trait would you agree that's that's fair only in in retrospect that each of the simpsons seem to have completely different powers yes i don't know if that's just a um i didn't mean to cut you off but no you're good you're good one of the things i was thinking of was uh the episode where homer uh is prescribed medicinal marijuana uh, the reason he's prescribed medicinal marijuana is because the crows that have been, uh, you know, that were following him because he became the alpha crow after destroying the the scarecrow. I mean, they were bringing him, you know, magazines and beer and donuts. Also, in Homer the Heretic, if we remember... Uh, Homer holds his arms out and all the, the woodland creatures, the birds and the squirrels and such, flock to him and remain by his side, you know, to the point where, you know, he asks for some privacy while he's in the shower. See, I would argue if he were a true beast master, he would not have the nuisance of them bothering him in the shower. He'd have the control he, to have them patiently waiting for him. Well, I don't, until he might his, have the ability and just not know he has it. Though. I don't believe that Homer is uh, that that that's Homer's specific skill. I believe Homer has many skills, but as with anything else, he doesn't really have the the uh, the mental capacity or the patience to kind of hone that ability. He doesn't have the Yoda to teach him how it's done. Precisely. Who's going to teach him? Abe? (laughs) (laughs) This this elevator only goes to the basement. Although, (laughs) Abe did give his teeth to a turtle once, so there's something to be said about that as well. That's true, and he couldn't catch him. He was too (laughs) fat. See, the... 
the Unbreakable Homer I know we're going to get to, and I endorse that theory a lot more, but the Beastmaster Bart, there's one episode that specifically, in my mind, without really needing any further evidence, I'm sure there's more examples, but this one moment, I feel, just destroys that theory, and it's specifically worse because it's one of Richie's absolute favorite episodes, if not his all-time favorite episode, and that is Lemon of Troy, in which there is a scene where Bart is trapped by tigers, and he has to use his understanding of Roman numerals, specifically learned through the Rocky films, to escape. If you recall, it's Rocky 5 plus Rocky 2 equals Rocky 7. Adrian's, Adrian's Revenge. Revenge. And that's the only way he is able to escape the tiger. If he was truly a Beastmaster or even had any Beastmaster-like abilities, he would have been able to hold that tiger at bay or, you know, put it to sleep or something that he's demonstrated. I'll admit there are some fun examples with, like, Santa's Little Helper where I would say maybe Bart is specifically connected with Santa's Little Helper, especially in that Bart's dog gets an F episode where uh, there's definitely some moments where it seems like they have a higher higher link than other members of the family do but across all beasts i just think there's only weak evidence supporting it unlike homer or maggie that have a lot of examples that are undisputable undisputable excuse me where homer should be dead but he's not or maggie really could have only got out of a situation through supernatural forces Ashes, you have you have something that you, you want to well, say? Um, yeah, just going back to the Bart Be- Beastmaster thing. Isn't there an episode where he kind of sort of gets kidnapped by a gorilla who yes. like? Yep. And does it very, kill him? Well, I mean, it doesn't kill him, but he also can't get away from. He's it. in peril for quite a while. Because right, of it. right. So, well, like, if he had a way with animals, he would have been able to, you know, my, I, I get away. Like, he would have been able to be like, "Peace out, Cub Scout." Like, well, you're not my real mom, you know, and <laughs> and go away. So, like, uh, versus, you know, the whole point of the episode, or for the entire episode, he's, you know, in peril in this cage with this gorilla and Marge is freaking out. Well, so here's Richie, she's saying that your theory is weak, son. Wait, uh, wait, well, wait. You, you can't say that without letting me respond to it. Though. I, you have can't a, just att- I have a counterpoint as well. Go ahead, patty cakes. All right. <laughs> I love it. All right. So what if, again, what if Bart himself doesn't realize he is a beast master because Bart does a lot of things that he is completely oblivious to. Um, and he doesn't realize that he can do these things. He focuses on, you know, stuff that's Roman going to, numerals. Right. He focuses on Roman numerals. He focuses on Rocky skateboarding. Films. He focuses on, you know, throwing rocks at hornets' nests, you know, and trying not to shoot birds. Um, <laughs> but what if, you know, he's not using his uh, his full potential? He hasn't learned how to reach his full potential so he doesn't know he's a beast master so when something that is capable of overpowering or hurting him like the the episode with the drunken cowboy where the dog kept coming after him and the dog kept chasing him everywhere yes. um something that respond uh, responds aggressively towards him like the tiger like this dog like this you know chimpanzee which you know, chimps are stronger than you know a full-grown human male, and they can they can cause a variety of damage. 
I've seen War for the Planet of the Apes. We all know what a monkey could do to a human. Exactly. Um, and yet that gorilla did not do that to Bart. But I don't <laughs> think he had control over it because I think his fear overrode his uh, natural ability. Because yeah, so you're, you're that's saying what I was bringing it's up. It's, it's, almost it's like a young Harry Potter. Moments. Yeah, it is. He's a beast master in training. It's the raw emotion, like when he's visibly crying and, and so upset about Santa's little helper or Stampy. And one of those, it's when he fully releases it where it actually takes control. And it's like you said, he's not sure of it yet. And yes, the gorilla had him and he was uncomfortable, but like it's not fully dire to where like his entire emotion is being spilled out into that moment. And honestly, Miles, you bring up that, but you don't bring up when the wolf literally tries to attack him in the hallway. No, that's another great episode, but I just thought it would be a little bit, uh, hitting, hitting better if it's off of your favorite episode, uh, but so no, you bring up another great, but the, Willie uh, the stepped wolf in there a, before he had to do anything. W- Willie saved the fucking day. If it weren't for Willie, yeah. Bart would be dead. That would be he never the had that emotional story of the boy that cried wolf. But that that just feeds into my my uh, take on the on the situation. oh the shinning the shinning Bart and uh, and Willie are connected. That's the point. That's the point, horror, that's so point, that's the point you know to that. your side anyway. So yeah, it doesn't well, count. He, uh, he when he's in peril, when he's afraid, he's not able to because he hasn't trained himself and he doesn't realize that he can do this. Like he's just like, oh, this is just something I'm good at. Like I have natural skill with a slingshot. I have natural skill with a skateboard. So you're saying fear leads to anger, and anger leads to the dark side? Yeah, Wouldn't something you along those lines. Associate Bart with that side? Yeah, chaotic neutral. <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's an interesting theory to think about as you as you watch the series. I agree, uh, and like I said, I, I buy into it. So I think next we should move on to uh, Ashes. You pick. Do you want to do Magical Maggie or uh, Unbreakable Homer? Uh, let's do Unbreakable Homer. All right. Well, this is this is an easy one. I mean, yeah. I mean, he does have Homer Simpson syndrome, which I mean, poor guy. Um, which we saw. You know, it's almost like they're retconning how indestructible he actually is. But I, I don't know if I buy into this so much as there is a theory. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you you guys. Uh, Miles, why don't you go ahead on this one and explain it, and I will give you my personal viewpoint on it. Sure. Uh, This is pretty cut and dry, honestly. If you watch The Simpsons for any length of time, you are going to see Homer take some gnarly physical damage, some some insane falls down the stairs. He's going to dive into to chasms at point he's going to fall in the springfield gorge uh all sorts of things that would cause any normal human catastrophic amounts of physical damage and very rarely do we see homer with more than a lump on his head not to say that doesn't happen in extreme circumstances but that's usually the the far extreme end of things and i have to say i will going the opposite direction of the last one i give richie a lot of credit for this theory especially when he recently brought up the idea that Homer is only unbreakable on the outside. We see him suffer internal damage on a a variety of cases where the damage is so bad, for instance, he actually ends ends up in the hospital, but it's usually just days later that he's out or the next day, so he heals in a remarkable manner. He's got Deadpool-like healing factor, basically. 
So the unbreakableness is maybe a little bit of a misnomer because he is breakable, but he's just very, very durable. Durable Homer might almost be a better name for it. And he feels pain still. Like, oh, he feels pain. Yes. couple things. Definitely feels pain. It's that that part would be the worst part of his quote-unquote superpower is it, it, unlike somebody who feels no pain but has to worry about their injuries which I know has been a trope in some characters he has the issue where he's gonna learn to deal with a lot of suffering all right so here's... when we've talked about uh, no sorry, no go, go ahead, ahead. No, go, go uh, ahead. Go I was ahead. gonna say and we've talked about where like we talked about this in Homer goes to college where maybe Homer doesn't realize that other people don't have the same body structure as him, the same unbreakableness. Because when Homer goes to college, he talks about rolling up the demon in the carpet and throwing him off a cliff. And he's laughing about it, and everyone's like, dude, he's going to die. And it's like it doesn't click Homer with doesn't Homer. see it that way. Yeah, like, he's he, thinking he that's just, just thinks a... the guy's going to have a lump on his head and get up and be fine. So It's like pushing him in the pool, basically. Yeah, yeah. So we talk about maybe it's something where Homer just assumes everybody's like him as well. All right, so I have, I have uh, three quick things. One uh, – on your your point about him, you know, being injured on the inside. Yes, we see this explicitly in the episode where they think Bart's gay, and Homer <laughs> protects him from the reindeer, and Marge hugs him, and she's like, "Oh, you're a lot softer than before." And he's like, "I've been tenderized." <laughs> um, two. You guys, since you talked about that episode, I just gotta say how awesome John Waters is. Oh yes. Yeah, he's fantastic in that. This is your sick mother. Don't do this to me, Wayland. <laughs> we prefer to be called John. <laughs> or I prefer to be called John, excuse me. Where is he at? No, this man is a fruit. No, queer, queer, queer. That's what you like to be called, right? Well, that or John. <laughs> did you notice at the cafe, I know this is a little bit of a side from what I'm saying, but uh, did you notice at the cafe, like the two prices for the buffet was Fat Man and Little Boy, and those were the names oh. of the atomic bombs? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so, um, the second thing is uh, the first thing I can think of when we talk about how Homer doesn't show his injuries on the outside is, of course, the movie Trading Places, where Eddie Murphy is in jail and he's talking about beating up all these cops. And, you know, the two guys that are in the cell with him is like, You put a man in a hospital? How come we don't see any bruises on you? And Eddie Murphy responds with, because I'm a karate man. Karate man bruise on the inside. So enemies don't see our weakness. But you wouldn't know nothing about that because you a big Barry White looking motherfucker. Then the guy gets up. And because of today is Thanksgiving, I have to say this line. The guy gets up and his friend stands up next to him. And he says, it ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's a Beverly terrible Hills movie. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's a that terrible movie. movie, but I really love the scene in the Will Ferrell comedy Semi Pro where they call each other jive turkeys across the table and they treat it as if it's a much, much worse word that they used. Uh, Great bit of comedy between, I, I want to say it was uh, Tim Meadows, Will right. Ferrell, and uh, oh, there's a bunch of them. But it's, uh, again, not a great movie, but if you're in the mood for stupid comedy, great scene. So my, my third thing, and now this kind of ties into my theory on uh, piggybacking off of your theory. There are multiple homers. Uh, when... The kids go through C-137? Kind of. Or multiplicity, I'm guessing. Do you remember... I think it was Lemon of Troy. I, I might be misremembering. But they go through the town, 
uh, Bart skateboarding through, and there's the female version of Willie. There's Joe's Tavern, and there's the other version of Apu. So Shelbyville is almost like a bizarro version of The Simpsons. So it almost seems like the Springfield, because of all the wacky characters, they're the defective clones of Shelbyville. Remember, Shelbyville is better than them at everything. Everything. Especially marrying their cousins. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, why else would they be doing what they're doing? Um, Shelbyville's They've got lemon-shaped rocks. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and, the, and let's all have celebrate with a glass of turnip juice. <laughs> so I, I believe that there's more than one Homer, but they all... I don't know when he was cloned, but I'm going to say he was cloned when he was about 10 years old. And I think the cloned version of Homer is actually Herb Powell. Like, the real Homer is Herb Powell. And they tried cloning him, and that's where we get this dysfunctional version of Homer. That's a really deep theory, dude. I dig the the thought that you put into that. Is he like an android, so like he can be repaired? No, there's just lots and lots and lots of them. Similar to the, you know, in the in the, the vein of the uh, the Halloween episode where he clones himself repeatedly. I think yes. there was a kernel of truth in that. Maybe that was like a Homer fever dream, and he's remembering all these different lives that he's lived. Because you remember, well, there was no... We did one not too long ago, too, where it was uh, shooting into the future. Where we, it was, uh, oh, it was uh, Rosebud, and they shoot into the future at the tail end of that one. And before Robot Burns and Robot Dog Smithers come through to get Bobo, we see, I think it's like six or eight versions of Homer pulling a sled of, like, rock. They're, they're workers, essentially, but it was the like a bunch of clones. Homers, exactly. Yes. Like there was a Homer. bunch of them. Yep, and they're doing all the menial labor and all the all mm-hmm. the slave work. So I think... While okay. Homer may have Homer clearly has a higher than normal uh, threshold for uh, for for punishment, as we see in the uh, the Dredrick Tatum episode, where you know he's fighting all the uh, the hobos and and the Smashing Pumpkins episode. Yep, where he gets shot oh, yeah. repeatedly the in cannon. the stomach. Yep, yep, that's yeah. a good call. I wasn't even thinking of that one. Um, so he has a higher than normal threshold for damage. But I also think that many of the injuries that he has had have killed him. Like when he ate the sword <laughs> pie. Um, or when the. Oh, so he ate the puffer fish and actually died, and then another one came and sat in the recliner the next morning. Right. Ooh. Ooh. So, so somewhere there's a backyard that has a, a Homer buried in it that Homer could theoretically be watching intergalactic, te- intergalactic television. Just feet from his other self. I think they throw him. I they bury him in the gorge. Like I think that's where they they toss all the. He's old part homers. of that landfill that saves him in the Thelma and Louise episode. Or the uh, perpetual tire fire is there because you know. Mm. Oh wow! There's so much yeah. fat that's why on it Homer's smells body. So bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look at. Uh, you it's know, not the tire smell. It's the lard smell. Yeah, exactly. You. Exactly. <laughs> you've got you've got the episode where they're having a. a Rainier Wolfcastle's having the uh, the yard sale, and Homer eats the sword pie, or the episode where they have the badger in the in the doghouse, and 
You know, they're like, oh, well, we or got m- the- maybe that that chili, uh, that really spicy chili pepper actually killed him. And this was just like a weird afterlife thing that we saw before we moved on to a different Homer in the, the next episode. The merciless peppers of Quetzalcoatlango. Those are the ones. You don't want to eat wax, do you, mister? <laughs> maybe I do, kid. Maybe I do. Tussle his hair. Like all these, all these various injuries, and like you know, because with the episode with the badger, like the badger like shreds him, and he's like, "Yeah, we should probably go to the hospital and get this checked out." And he lifts up his shirt, <laughs> and you see all his organs pumping. And Lisa's <laughs> like, "How did the how did the badger do that without tearing your shirt?" What am I, a tailor? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's fantastic. But um, so yeah, there. That's I think that covers. You know those two theories pretty well. So, well, I so can, a responsible Simpsons pod show or podcast group or troop should go back to the first episode and count how many homers there's actually been. I think uh, I think that could be a team effort. I think we could do that. <laughs> uh, Asher, you, you got you got stuff to uh, to add to this? I don't believe in fan theories. Oh my god. Yeah, lame. Ooh. Go home. Oh, ouch! <laughs> I, I can't. Could, you're my you ride. I thought we could be friends from the last episode, <laughs> but that hurts. Oh, well. I just like how you patty caked off my idea into your own there. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Can we? Uh, can we? Let's let's shift the tone a little bit. Let's talk about mag- magical Maggie. Because I saw something the other day. It's a it's a more recent episode. Where Lisa decides she wants to take up fencing, and she's like, well, I have to practice on someone I know I can beat. And Maggie utterly destroys her. <laughs> like, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> it's not even... Because we have, we have Hulu, so we, we get to see the episode a couple days after it actually airs. Nice. And, you know, they're, they're fencing with, like, cardboard paper, uh, toilet paper tubes, and... You know, she goes at, Ma- at Maggie, and Maggie's like, no, nah, I'm not having any of your shit, and just <laughs> utterly, like, drives her back, like, flips her over the couch, like, it's insane, and then she's like, oh, my God, and Maggie's just, like, gives her this look, like, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> I buy into this one, so why don't you give me some of your, your, your guys' perspective on this? Well, first, I think we need to shout out again our our good buddy, Dr. Andrew Briseño, who uh, has been on the show several times. And he was actually the first one. He had him on. And that was where the term Magical Maggie or the theory actually came from. It was on the episode Call of the Simpsons all the way back in season one where Maggie inexplicably – basically she gets – separated from all of the family through a a miscommunication that was basically homer's fault and she ends up again going back to the animal thing she is basically taken in by bears and they're not just like taking care of her though they are like her servants like they are ridiculously pampering her and that was really where it's like okay maybe there's something to this supernatural uh element of her character and it goes all the way from that humble origin all the way into this cheap plug for our tpublic.com slash diddly store where you can now get our merchandise with the Magical Maggie logo on those that uh, we're quite proud of. It's a really cool thing that our buddy Toby from the Secret Transmission podcast made up for us. And uh, we've got like stickers and shirts with a Magical Maggie print on them that are pretty dope. So you want to help us out and get some cool Simpsons merch, uh, T Public's the way to do that. We will uh, well, provide a fair, link in the in the Facebook. 
Thing. Sweet. Awesome. Thank Shameless you. self-promotion. Woo! But to be fair, even Andy brought up while he was discussing this on Call of the Simpsons that you see Maggie fall from great heights a lot of times or make it great distances or just kind of control a scene without actually having to be the center of attention there where things tend to go her way when she's a baby and they shouldn't, almost like she had a magical aspect of it, which with the sword fighting, we can still debate that it's magical Maggie or a Jedi Maggie still, but I do mm. like the magical Maggie symbol. And I love just the idea of her being a muggle-born witch. Okay, I mean, that's, you know, she's uh, Hermione. Essentially, yeah, essentially that's the, that's the concept. Oh, no, she, she I don't think there's on Hermione. I don't think there's a better example so far that we've gotten to. I'm, I'm going to forget what episode it is. Uh, it's the one where she ends up going to date. Oh, I know. It's uh, Marge and Delilah. Or what is it? They're doing a Simpson, Simpson and Delilah. And Delilah. Simpson, no, that's not right. Is it? Yeah, no, that's the hair. That's the hair episode. Yeah, that's the but minoxidil oh, yeah. with Harvey. It's the play, scene. the one where she's doing the play. Uh, uh, fuck. A streetcar, a streetcar named, named Marge. Marge. That's yes. what it is. A streetcar named Marge. Okay. In that episode, Shout out to New Orleans. <laughs> they, yeah. In that episode, they have to leave uh, Maggie at a daycare, and she does this incredible escape sequence where she actually like gets the entire daycare freed from this, you know, overbearing adult figure that she had to go through all sorts of crazy feats to pull it off and i think it's that's where it was like yeah there's absolutely no way a baby could do this without magical ability she yeah it's almost like you know her beast master ability is like hurting other babies and like other <laughs> people <laughs> yeah but it, it it's, uh, speaking of the hive mind like you said earlier with yeah. Lita and trish um it's not just that though it's also like you know during the gang war or the, when Homer is a uh, spring shield and somebody shows up and, you know, manages to shoot the guns out of all the gangsters hands. And we learn that it's Maggie. Right. You know, like, oh, he's probably dreaming about the time she shot Mr. Burns, you know, and she's got a, a friggin' sniper rifle under her mattress. Like, hey, where'd she get a sniper rifle? Like that to me might be the most pertinent thing. Like, sure, you. Uh, this these- is America, okay? Yeah, dude. Have you not watched the news? Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, or when she gets a giant rock on Russ Cargill in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> We're trapped like rats. No, rats wouldn't get trapped this easy. I'd say you're trapped more like <laughs> carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I love what a perfect movie. little mistake you turned out to be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she See, this is going to kind of like merge into my uh my theory that you know, Maggie is the most intelligent of all the Simpsons. But all of the Simpsons yes. are super intelligent. You know, we see this uh when Homer has the crayon removed from his brain, he goes from, you know, this low-level drone to all of a sudden he's got 140 IQ. You know, and he's, you know... But he sees Lisa's life, and he sees how miserable it is. And he's like, I was happier as an idiot. Ignorance literally is bliss in this case. And I think that's the, the same thing with all of the other uh, Simpsons. And we see this with Maggie when they're trying to get Maggie to 
to you know to talk and to learn things and she's like Maggie, can you point to the monkey? And she points at Homer. He's like, what do babies know? Maggie, can you point to the credenza? I couldn't point to the credenza. So, but no, least- I've said for a long time now that I think Maggie is the most intelligent Simpson. Yeah, that's. I, I think we all concur with that. It's a she. She has something special about her, and to. I like your theory a lot about the uh, all the Simpsons being smart, and it actually makes me think of something I was reading not too long ago where I was talking about when you pull people and they had – I don't know exactly where they split the IQ mark or whatever, but they basically had a point that they said that if your IQ is below a certain point, you were actually more likely to consider yourself very intelligent if you were like doing a self-survey. And on the other side of that, if your IQ is above a certain point, you are actually more likely to define yourself as not very intelligent. Uh, and I think that could pertain to the Lisa character, especially with her misery. And I, I'm not saying this is 100%. This is totally just kind of like playing with this idea a little bit. But there could be something to the idea that Lisa's really not as smart as everyone gives her credit to be. And realistically, she just says things that, you know, she read in a book or she repeats things that she she heard but realistically she doesn't actually get life any better or possibly she gets it even worse than the rest of her family does like to your point about homer who cares if other people think he's dumb he's happy that's fine by him bart doesn't follow the rules so you know he finds his joy in not he's street, necessarily he's street smart He's very street smart, and he he adapts to a lot of situations. And he's a, I mean, he can talk his way out of so many different situations that he's maybe they just apply their intelligence in other ways. And maybe that has to do with uh, why Lisa is such a miserable character, and the rest of the Simpsons seem far far happier, except for maybe Marge, who I think sometimes is also on the sadder side of the coin. Yeah, I mean, Marge is a brilliant artist, um, but look at. You know, to your point about Bart, you know, Bart is more of like a a hedonistic type of character where he prefers instant gratification to, you know, hard work. I mean, we saw him, you know, like uh, Richie said last episode, like how quickly he took to the drums and became like really good at it without any practice. Or how about the fact that he learned two different languages without any formal schooling on it? Like he learned Spanish in what a couple of hours through those like you know uh language tapes those tapes yeah and then he learned french i mean to be fair he was more immersed in that one but he he learned it pretty damn i wouldn't have learned it that fast yeah and even in bart gets an f when he actually tries to apply himself he brings up all this knowledge that he read about that he didn't even knew he had so yeah he, he bombed the actual test but then through discussing it it's very obvious that he really did pertain a lot of the information it just was unfortunately not the information that happened to be on the test. Right. Tests are very easy if you know what's on – if you, you know, if they ask you questions that you know. You right. Know, if she had asked him the question about, you know, Washington surrendering to the British, you know, he would have gotten we- that right. And she would – you know, like had that been on the test, he probably still would have failed. But, you know, he would He retained what he had learned earlier. Exactly. Which is something a lot more you can say than – kids that just study for a test and pass that one test and then the next thing comes along and it's like well what did you actually learn exactly like i'd prefer you know show show that you learned something show that you can apply your knowledge 
as opposed to can you answer these you know true or false tests or, or can you guess right on these uh, you know multiple choice. You Plus, know, we all know the answer is C anyway, so they're wasting all of our time. When in yeah. doubt, see it out. There you go. But no, Miles, going along with what you were talking about with Lisa, though, if you remember when we talked with Carolyn, she actually brought up the point that uh, from the writer side on Lisa, she's the character that's like all of us. Like she's the one that basically gets to comment like a normal person would. So she has to be the person that takes a lot of heat all the time because she's the one that basically has to be the center of how a normal person would react or respond. So she appears to be the smarter, the smarter one all the time, but really she's just kind of saying what we're all thinking a lot of the times as well. So it's not really that she's smart as much as it is she's saying what we're thinking, Perceptive. and we all like to think that we're really smart. I think she's, she's an just empath. See, I think each one of them has, like, I believe Lisa is on the autism spectrum. Um, she's higher functioning. Though I know we said this about Ralph, uh, where Ralph... Who could also be on that spectrum very easily. Yes, but I think he's on the opposite end, where he can't articulate himself as well as Lisa can. Even though Lisa can articulate, like she's socially awkward. Like, she doesn't connect with people in any sort of real way. In a lot of times, right? Like she has such a hard time having interpersonal skills. You know, she feels more comfortable, like you know, reading and and you know, doing you know her academic stuff. She likes that more than she likes other things. Whereas Bart, you know, I think Bart's very intelligent. You know, like the episode with the Simpsons gene that you know they show <laughs> how. Homer, you know, oh, was smart. Only in the men, though. Right. Because they Bart, all shove crowns in their brain, duh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the only reason why Homer's not smart anymore. He would be intelligent, but he put he had the old Crayola oblongata. <laughs> and I think <laughs> Bart's the same way, where he's just like, you know, he didn't shove a crayon into his brain, but he's he's just, he's too impulsive. He's got the ADHD, uh, you know, like, to the extreme, where... It's like, you know, this isn't as fun. Like, this is sitting quietly and learning something isn't as fun as skateboarding or, you know, sneaking right. out of the house like a ninja. And he achieves things when he applies himself. So it's not a matter of him not being able to. It's a matter of him not caring. It, it, and that actually goes to the kind of the Homer quote of, you know, just because I'm not listening doesn't mean I don't understand or whatever just it is. Just because I don't, I, don't you know, I, I understand. I don't, you know, just because I, I don't, don't care. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't yeah, mean I exactly. don't understand. But, but that, that's kind of the charm of The Simpsons overall, though, is like even with Bart and Lisa, it's like The Simpsons are a puzzle piece with each other, and Bart may have a hole on his left side, but Lisa has a spot that fits in that hole on her right side, and they fit together very well, and that's where a lot of the, the greatness like the of the show comes from. Just like in the game where they would link up and you could like whip each other with Lisa's uh, jump rope. Yes. Anybody exactly. know? Yeah, yeah, there no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Marge, had the vacu- <laughs> Marge had the vacuum, Bart had the skateboard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I just was mean like they would link up. They would have like tag team moves. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, like Richie was saying, they fit like puzzle pieces. They quite literally did in the Simpsons arcade game, which, you know, we still got to review one of these days, Rich. I mean, <laughs> I look at them, you know, like you're like you guys are saying, like they are essentially a complete person if you take all five of them together. Yes, because um, each one they're has... the Power Rangers. Yeah, the did that too. Captain Planet, you know, <laughs> something like yes, that. When our powers combine, they become <laughs> one. You know, Pie Man. Yeah, Pie Man. And mm. oh, what shit? What was Bart when he when Bart decided to become the the sidekick? 
Oh, I don't know. Oh, I was uh, just going to say Bartman. Just I was going to say Bartman, too, but no, it was, uh, shit, what was that? It's like Crust Boy or something. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd have to rewatch that one. But it's yeah, been a while since I've seen that. I've only seen that one once. Like, the earlier stuff, obviously, because it's been around more often, but... Right, no, those later seasons, I've seen once or nonce in some ca- in some cases. And I think, you know, the quality also... Um, the old, the older stuff is so much better than some of the newer stuff because I think with some of the newer stuff they've had to reach the Cupcake Kid. Sorry. Oh, there you go. Nice. Because they had, they've already, they've done everything. Yeah, you you like... run out of the well at a certain point, and I will say uh, both Richie and I have made a pledge to essentially reserve judgment on any episode publicly until. We actually review it on the podcast, but I think we can just with a blanket statement say that we both agree that at least going into things that there's definitely a golden age that falls arguably everybody draws their line somewhere a little bit different, but somewhere between season two and season 10 seems to be the consistent range that people agree is the quote unquote golden era, the most popular uh, opinion seems to be three through eight, but again, everybody has a slightly different opinion there, and that's fine. Uh, and we're not saying that we disagree with that, but we are—we're actually really excited to get to some of these episodes that some people claim are so terrible or unwatchable. Because so far, any episode of The Simpsons that I've ever watched has been entertaining at worst, like at, at least minimally entertaining. I've never been like, "Oh my god, I need to get this wretched show off my television." It's—I've never seen it come to that. I have a hard time believing it will ever come to that. But if you read some of the comments made by people. On the internet, there you know the internet's full of terrible things, but uh, specifically on the Simpsons, there's a lot of hatred that goes out towards anything made after 1999. See, I I've heard folks draw the line of demarcation at uh, Seymour Skinner's "Badass Song." Yeah, I've heard that one, and actually, uh, the principal, uh, the one where principal he becomes, uh, yeah, principal in the popper, where he becomes uh, Armand Tans Marion. Yeah, that's that's that's, yeah. that's uh, Seymour Seymour Skinner's badass song. That's that one. That the, one is actually the um, that's that's not that one's coming up at the end of the season. It's actually that one's in season nine. Oh, am I am I like switching? Yeah, around? no, yeah, yeah, no. It's really easy to do with that one. Yeah, the 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 Seymour Skinner's uh, song is actually Sweet Seymour Skinner's badass song is coming up season five episode nineteen. So that one's actually not too far away. Uh, the one that you're thinking of is in season nine, and uh, give me just a second. I'll pull it up and I'll tell you what episode I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, with it's the, the sec- it's Sheen. the principal in the it's yeah it's the principal in the popper. I'm sorry, I think Richie did already say that, but uh, that's yeah. where some people claim that the Simpsons died that that episode. And there's actually even a YouTube video that this really dramatic guy is like giving all these kind of opinionated facts that you know this was the turning point. And we actually discussed that with Carolyn Omine how just silly it is that in hindsight. That's a really fun episode that I – I mean I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember loving that episode in, as a kid. And to Carolyn's side of things, as a writer herself, she said that she loved that episode just because it was so different and so unique and still well within the rules of the Simpsons universe if there are any rules that you know really are that strict in terms of – they do all sorts of stuff. To your point, Homer one time references a thing that happens in the future yep. as if it's already happened. 
happens. I mean, there's really loose rules, and the fact that people like to complain or nitpick on this little fact to us seems just really bizarre because I think that's a funny episode. I, it's, it's because they mess with the formula. That's what it is. And, and again, that's what Carolyn talked about where we talk about the Simpsons reset all the time. But in principle in the popper, they hit the reset but with like an asterisk on it where like this man is not actually Skinner but we're going to refer to him as Skinner from now on. And Carolyn said from a writing standpoint, that's like a great gift that you get to pull something off like that. And, and again, like you said, we talked about it. I, I love that episode. I think it's a great episode. And – Somebody getting online and just saying their opinion, it needs to be stated as an opinion and not presented as facts. Yeah, I've never had uh, an episode that I was like, oh, well, this one's garbage. I'm never watching this again, or this is unwatchable. Right. It's like, no, I. there's always something, like, even if you don't particularly like the episode, there's always something that will draw you back. There's always something that you know, makes you like, wow, like this was a great episode. So I, I agree. It's the type of thing where, you know what? I might not specifically go to certain episodes and I'm just looking for something to watch on my DVDs. But at the same time, if I'm just kind of like binge watching the Simpsons and an episode comes on, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to enjoy it pretty much regardless of what that episode is. At least that I found that true to be, or I found that to be true so far. I have not seen them all. I admit there are episodes in later seasons that I have missed entirely. So maybe one exists that I'll just be like, wow, this is garbage. But I honestly have a, really, I have a really, really hard time believing that'll ever be true. One of my, my only issue is, um, you know, that kind of watching some of the later episodes and then going back and watching the earlier episodes where like the animation and the voices are different. Like that's kind yeah, of jarring. Yeah, the voices is very jarring. But it's not like they're bad episodes. Um, no, no, not at all. Except some some enchanted evening, but we talked about <laughs> that in a great depth. See, and a- I even would say that's not like unwatchable. It's no, just, it's, you it's, can still watch it. Yeah, it's just not great. But it's not it, the it best. does not hold up to the standards. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, you know, we watch uh, a lot of it on on FX. Mm-hmm. You know, when because they yes, have like the marathons absolutely. all the time. And it's funny because, you know, you watch these older episodes and it's like clearly they were not meant for HD TVs because you can see like <laughs> the pencil lines and the ink lines everywhere. And it's like it's very obvious that these were for low or standard definition TVs. And when you put them. But I think that's part of the charm. And it's like, oh, I remember watching this and seeing this and this is exactly how I remember it. So, I mean, yeah, you don't want to see the old stuff polished up. But at the same time. If you just keep getting the same thing over and over again, you're just going to get stale. So you understand why they have to adapt, and especially as technology gets better. I mean, if they tried to produce The Simpsons in the same art style that they did in the 90s, they would be laughed off the air because it would look so jarringly bad compared to any crisp new cartoon of today's age. Yeah, because, I mean, even now, like, there's so much, like, and you notice it in the, uh, like, the the turning point, really, I think, was when Matt Groening started to do... um, in 1999 when he started doing uh, Futurama. And yeah. you kind of see, like, they use a lot of, like, subtle CG. And you see that yes. in the movie, like, when they have the crowd. Like, the crowd of people, like, with the torches. Yeah, it's like a layered yep. layered CGI look. And navigates through it like it, like the outside buildings on Futurama we used to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... I mean, honestly, like... You know, this is part of the reason why I'm so against all these live-action Disney movies. Um, <laughs> the animation, like, there's something about animation that's just so 
so much more um, appealing to me. Like, I like CGI, and don't get me wrong, like, the, the, the Pixar stuff that's come out, like, the amount of detail that they put into that, like, that's impressive. That, to me, is as impressive as, you know, drawing 24 frames per second. But there's just, there's just something about hand-drawn animation that, you know, is is so nostalgic for me. You know, seeing, you know, like, the older Simpsons episodes, and it reminds you of, like, when you were a kid, and, you know, that's what everything is now, and it's... You know, it's like, kids today won't understand. We didn't have high-def TVs, and, you know, we couldn't put a TV on a small shelf because they weighed 1,100 pounds. And, like, well, and it's funny to think about fact, it. by the way, for all the listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to think about this concept, too, because I know that when I was a kid, I would often just, you know, when you're bored and there's nothing else on, you end up watching shit like I Love Lucy, Leave it to Beaver. Great shows in their day. But they're black and white, and being used to color, it's very jarring. And in some ways, not exactly, I don't think it's as extreme, but I think there's a similar concept to that, that I think kids today, if they're, you know, watching old, if they happen to be watching FX and the old episodes of The Simpsons come on, I think there's going to be this, like, visual connection that's like oh wow this is really old like this is you know this is what my mom and dad would watch when they were you know watching tv shows versus you know similar to how i felt about like black and white shows that's what my parents are probably watching at some point i don't really know where the time falls on that if that's remotely accurate or not but that's how is my as a kid that's how my brain worked and i imagine that's probably going to be true to a whole generation of people now as they see the old simpsons and just think like whoa this is pretty trippy to see it drawn like this yeah i mean i'm not sure how old you guys are i think we're remotely you know we're we're 32 all right see i'm 36 so i'm a little bit older than you guys ashes is 32 uh so i'm a little bit older than you guys so and at this point, you know, right now it doesn't matter. But when The Simpsons came out, you know, it, I'm, you know, it's 1989, it's 1990, it's 1991. You know, I'm eight, nine, ten years old. You know, you guys are three, four, five. So it's a little different. I remember watching The Simpsons. You know, I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons, but I did. You know, I would I, actually we were at my uh, my parents' house the other night and. There were reruns of In Living Color, and I was talking about how... Ah, I love In Living Color. I was like... You can do what you want to do. Yeah, we're, we're watching this, and it's like, this is not a show I should have been watching. You know, this is not <laughs> something that 10-year-old me should have been watching. You know, and we're, you see, know, I was watching that at an even younger age. Though that's the thing is, like, we uh, so eighty nine. We were about four years old when The Simpsons actually debuted, and we probably started watching both of us somewhere in the season three or four range mm-hmm. uh, consistently. So we were like really young for the, and we were of the parents type that it was, uh, you know, allowed to watch type of thing. They just thought it was a cartoon. They um, didn't really. My dad you know, watched it with me. It yeah, was, his dad didn't care at my all. My dad but, hated Bart. Yeah, see, once my parents, like, got into seeing it, they also were like, I don't know if he's a good influence on you, but, yeah. like, we talked about this sometimes. The Simpsons had this uh, this sense of being kind of naughty back in the day, and it seemed like you either had one of, like, two, like, you were one of two people. You were either the house 
where your friends would come over to watch The Simpsons because your parents are cool, or you were the house where you suddenly were going over to your friend's house every Thursday or Sunday, depending on what day, or you know, every day if it was on uh, reruns at that point. But you were basically, you know, going to the cool kids like where it was cool to watch, uh, and there is always. The Simpsons was something that almost everybody managed to watch, regardless of the fact that there seemed to be this uh, stigma to it. Yeah, and, you know, like I was going to say, like, I I watched it on a 12-inch black and white Zenith. Nice. Like, that, was, that was how I watched The Simpsons. And I had to turn it down, and I had to kind of, like, put a light on in the hallway so that, like, if my parents, like you know, went by my room, they wouldn't see like the glowing of the TV to know that I was watching the Simpsons at nine o'clock when I should have been in We use the same concept to get away with porn in our teen years. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. I used that concept earlier today. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's like that's that's like the nostalgic, you know, feel for these like older episodes, which is why I think it's so nice that we get a chance to to see it like it's it's gone into syndication like it's and there's so many episodes like you know I'm a huge Simpsons fan like most of this like I haven't even really opened my book and like all these references and things are like I'm just remembering them and you know obviously I've made a couple of errors here and there which you know I I I feel a deep shame but you know there even as like super, as you should yeah <laughs> even as like super hardcore fans like we Bad haven't patty seen cakes. all of it, um, so I think with with uh, with that being said, I think we're gonna kind of bring this to a close. I will say though, could, if you, oh, can I bring up one more yes, superpower please. real quickly? I'm sorry, I wanted to get it. This is another one I got to give credit to Richie, and I I don't know if we're gonna call this a superpower or not, but Richie has a theory as I to do? why Marge stays with Homer. Oh, absolutely. You got after you watch The Simpsons for so long, you're like, how does she put up with this all the time? And it's very easy. Where are the scenes where you see Marge enjoying herself the most? In the bedroom. Homer is amazing in the sack. I mean, that that's the only reason, right? That's fair. I mean, like he must be an expert. It, it, see, it seems like there is some. I mean, Marge is actually uh, quite the uh, the active. Them, let's say they're very active in the bedroom. It seems for a lot of the dialogue, and You've it does seem their times. Tail like that before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it does seem like there's some times where Homer is such a buffoon that any woman on any other circumstance would be like, uh, "Yeah, that's it." But there's just something. I mean, I'm thinking that Homer might be better than the detachable showerhead. I mean, I mean, think and about if he the, is unbreakable, that means all the outside of him is unbreakable. So she might be into a little S and M or something. I don't know. Well, think about the line that you know she says. This is the worst thing you've ever done. You say that so often, it's lost all <laughs> meaning. Like, <laughs> so that's a, that's a valid point. Like you know, perhaps Homer is hung like a rhino. You know, um, I mean, when he clones himself, what's look at the her first? in the eyes when it's in the bedroom scene, man. Like she is. Very happy all the time. When there. intoxicated, when he cloned himself with the with the magic hammock, what's the first thing he looked? Shuttles in the hangar. <laughs> first thing he looked for. Enough said. So I think that that right there validates the theory. But yeah, I will say if you guys are ever in this area or wherever down uh, by you guys, uh, I would definitely, 
I would definitely like to play uh, Simpsons Seen It with you guys because... Oh, hell yeah, dude. I, we, we could definitely make that happen. So rarely do I get to play and so rarely am I ever challenged. And it, it, I uh, I think that sounds like a lot of fun and something that should be filmed for posterity. I 100% agree with you. <laughs> so I think with that being said, we're going to go ahead. We're going to bring... Uh, we're going to bring this to our break and we come back we're going to do our uh, usual wrap up stuff and uh, and uh, I think that's that'll bring this episode to a close so let's go to a quick break and when we come back we'll uh, we'll wrap things up do you love a scary story do you love to dance the big scary monster hunts in midnight is a collection of dark songs about sex Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Hello, this is the Sasquatch, aka Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank, and when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal. And they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunches.com. Patrick Rayhoff in the motherfucking house. Patrick Rayhoff in the motherfucking house. Patrick Rayhoff in the motherfucking house. Patrick Rayhoff. And we're back, courtesy of the uh, greatest song ever written. That better be your ringtone, sir. Oh, it's it it is. Um, it's actually um, from... it's his ringtone. It's what he wakes up to when his alarm goes off. You know, listen. I, it's I, it's that's the what kitchen timer on his birthday. Yeah, you know. I coincidentally, I always have a headache, so you know, it just kind of works weird. out that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, that song is actually from uh, my first ever podcast. was episode sixty eight of Trick or Treat Radio, and uh, Tiny nice. White Tiny White was just riffing on his synthesizer and his vocoder and just came up with that, and it was awesome. So, to give you an idea of how long ago that was, uh, we are coming up on episode two seventy eight, uh, which Jeez. was last night on Trick or Treat Radio. So it's been two hundred and ten episodes. And they haven't asked me back, so that, you know. That <laughs> <laughs> Always a good sign. Oh, yes. 
And, you just uh, made such an impression. There couldn't possibly any more to say. <laughs> well, Patrick, you said it was the greatest Trick or Treat radio episode ever. We don't want to sully that that uh you know that record. That's true. I do say that all the time. Yes. <laughs> You don't want to make a sequel to something that was already perfect the first right, time. Right. I know. There's no Citizen I mean, there's, Kane 2. Yeah, there's yeah. no Godfather What are you, you going to do? Oh, make it on a like a cruise ship this time? That's fucking retarded. Yeah. <laughs> Trick or Treat Radio in Space? Yes. That's what everybody <laughs> else does. <laughs> Trick or Treat Radio Back to the Hood? And after that, I think it's uh, customary to go to the hood. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Um, twice, actually. You'd have to go back to the hood. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Back to the hood. <laughs> um, so... We had a lot of fun with you guys. Um, I really want to thank you guys for coming on the show today um, and last week. Uh, this was back to back. This was yeah, ev- no, this was this was awesome, dude. We had a lot of fun. We'd be happy to come back and talk with you cats anytime. I, I and we need to we need to get you scheduled on our show. It's going to be a while. I'm going to tell you, we're we're pretty booked right now, but definitely we'll put you on list, and we'd love to have you all come in uh, and break down an episode of The Simpsons on Best Darn Diddly with us. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do think we need uh, – there's a character that we need to cover, and uh, it, it, this is actually the first time we've covered a Simpsons character. It's been uh, far too long. This has been over a yes. year that we've been, we've yep. been podcasting, um, but I feel like in the future we need a Sideshow Bob and a uh, – Hell yes. And a uh, Phil Hartman tribute episode. Oh yes, I was in it. that. That would be amazing. I think that would be really, really cool. And I bet between our listeners and yours, we could start a petition, uh, a like Twitter type of thing or a Facebook type of thing, to get Kelsey Grammer either so annoyed with all of us that he's never going to talk about his character Sideshow Bob again, or that he'll be like, "What? They want to talk about me? I'd love to join these incredible fans." If we if we can get Kelsey Grammer. Like I will, I will guarantee you that you guys will be on that show. That yeah, that would uh, that would be appreciated because I mean he's kind of the dream, and yeah. he's dreaming. We could also so. talk to his. We could also talk to his daughter about yeah that as well. Yeah, that it ties in the family. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I definitely want to thank you guys for coming on here. I figure if we're going to do a Simpsons episode, we got to do it right, and you guys are definitely the right choice. Oh well, thank you guys so much for having us, man. This was an absolute blast. So, Miles, where are you at, buddy? <laughs> not your buddy guy. <laughs> I'm not your guy, my friend. I was trying to give give him a second to plug himself. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, I, that was my next thing because I I neglected to do that last episode. So, where can folks find you? Like, tell us where where uh, where you guys like to hang out and where folks can chat with you. Well, as you know, we are on Twitter a lot at bestdarndidly. Uh, bestdarndidly.com is where you're going to find all of our stuff. We're we're on every podcast network that will allow us we actually just got on spotify and iHeartRadio, which we're really excited about and then of course itunes and google play and stitcher and all those places uh as for me i'm at mr most days off i'm also on twitter and then uh my youtube page i'm trying to get going i'm starting a little companion series to best darn diddly just a quick little video every friday just kind of talking about what's going on that week because we do actually record several weeks ahead and sometimes i feel out of touch with what's actually going on when i talk with people because their text are tweeting at me about episodes that came out like i watched weeks ago at this point yeah the uh behind the diddly is a fun little uh a fun little video series i do uh i do enjoy that 
Awesome. I'm glad somebody's. Well, I think I'm pretty much just making them for you right now, uh, Patty Cakes. Hey, you I've know watched what? both of them. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Hey, you know what? They're super easy, really fun. I just, you know, five minutes of my time to, to you know, sit down and talk a little bit. So I think I'm going to keep that going uh, at least for a little while and see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll keep watching them. You know, I will keep watching them as long as you keep making them. I like the little updates that you do because, you know, you, you guys do record so far in advance. So, yeah, uh, definitely keep doing that. Awesome. Thanks, man. Um, I think that's Richie, it. plug yourself real quick, too, because I did not do it for you. Also, tell oh, us about okay. your social media. Well, I am on Twitter at the Wiz underscore kid 23. And uh, my Facebook's linked to our Instagram page, which, let my, like Miles said, is best darn diddly. So I won't give out my personal the Facebook, the Facebook page there. Whatever that thing that where people do stuff. <laughs> the book page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And besides that, I just want to say two patty cakes, two ashes to ashes, two Wolfenstein 3D. Thank you so much for having us <laughs> on tonight. I like it when I don't have to have pages of notes in front of me and we just get to talk. And yeah, I do awesome. like I do like having the notes in front of me and talking about the Simpsons in depth. Obviously, we've been doing it long enough, but doing stuff like this is really really fun. And I really appreciate you guys letting us come on and just be ourselves because I think that's what comes across in our podcast. At least that's what I hope. Oh yeah, you know, and I wouldn't want you guys to uh, you know change the way you do anything. You know, I'm. Wait, so I didn't need to wear a tux for this? No, I I don't even have pants Son on. Of a bitch. Uh, you should have put some pants on at least, though, Miles. Um, yeah, I'm just the top half of the tux. Yeah. I do, uh, I do appreciate your, uh, you know, I, I agree with you a lot on your, uh, your, your political views uh, that you uh, sometimes express on the show. Uh, yeah, I, we do our best to avoid that. To be honest, I, uh, I do, I, I, uh, you know, I, I feel like Best Darn Diddly is an escape for people to get out of this crazy fucked mm-hmm. up world we live in sometimes. But simply put, uh, since you brought it up, I mean, the the person in charge right now, frankly, I'd rather have Ralph Wiggum because he's a fucking monster, <laughs> and uh, and he couldn't be doing a worse job. So uh, yeah, sometimes that does. Wait, slip hold out his beer. Through, yeah. yeah, through the uh, through the podcast, but again, ultimately, it is an escape from all the the shitty things that are going on, and just a place where Simpsons fans can come hang out, chat with us, chat with other Simpsons fans, and uh, all have a very very cromulent time. Absolutely. Well, uh, again, thank you guys for for coming on. I mean, we have a little bit more that we need to do. Uh, you guys are welcome to you know continue hanging out till the end of the show. I know. Uh, Richie, you got you got places to be. Yeah, I, I am behind right now. I am on my way to work, ladies and gentlemen. He's gonna and go I'm going to go say hello to Mrs. Most Days Off for a few minutes. Yeah, some Reds riot action. All right. <laughs> so again, thank you guys. Very I plugged much. your wife. Thank that you so much. Dirty. <laughs> thank you guys. It was a, a awesome time. Thank you again. I, I can't wait to talk to you all more about the Simpsons and other stuff going on uh, on Twitter, and we'll get together on and podcast some more in the future. Absolutely. All right, guys. Good night, guys. Have a great night. night. So that was pretty awesome. They're very fun guys. Yeah, and they know, their and they're show. not even mushrooms. I know, right? Right. And they know their they know their Simpson stuff, which is why I, you know, listening to them, I was like, you know what? These are guys we have to have. On I the show. learned a lot too. Like, I'm not a hardcore Simpsons fan. I'm a casual Simpsons fan. I actually got into the show because of you. Mm-hmm. Patsy, I mean, obviously... We got um, into it more because of me. Well, yeah, I mean, like, obviously... To the level um, that <laughs> we are. Uh, you know, I had seen some episodes, and I was aware of The Simpsons, and 
understood, you know, pop culture references and stuff, being a child who was born in the 80s and, you know, grew up like Simpsons has always been kind of like a part of everything, you know, like I just I don't really remember life before the Simpsons. Well, I mean, that's because you were born like a few years before The Simpsons came out. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, it's just it's just always been uh, like a part of, of, of something. Um, so I didn't didn't really get into it much before um, I met you. And I enjoy the show a lot. And I always love learning more about it. So that was really cool. So we do have a couple of things that we want to uh, we want to you know kind of do we're next week we have another guest uh the next couple of weeks we have a, uh, another guest that uh we actually met through uh rock and chuck yeah the uh new england horror writers yep uh steve van sampson he's going to be coming on uh we're going to talk about some of his his stuff obviously you know plug some of his work but uh he chose a couple of interesting characters one that um we haven't covered in a long time actually at all uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Incredible Hulk through the Planet Hulk storyline. We're also going to be discussing uh, the characters of Stranger Things again because the uh, second season is out and this will give people enough time to have gotten uh, caught up on it because by the time we record, it'll have been out for a month, so hopefully everybody's caught up. And uh, So I'm I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm there. I'm I'm. Equally as excited as I was to do the Ralph Wiggum episode, I'm very excited to talk about Stranger Things because that's like my obsession right now. Hashtag justice for Muse. Right. Um, I need my paddles. So normally what we do at this time is we do, you know, the Agent Nicole files. We do the, the Patsy the Angry Nerd science fact and we do the Von Nightmare Vineyards, but... We're going to do something a little different. Well, first we have a battle. Well, I was going to okay. get to that. I was going to say, you know, we're going to do something a little different, but I want to I want to introduce our battle because I want to end on uh on, you know, my thing here. Uh not because I'm egotistical at all, but because I'm very handsome. What? Um so patty cakes. We had a <laughs> We had a uh, an interesting time trying to come up with a, a good battle that fit with the uh, the theme of the show. So, uh, Ashes, you actually came up with it, so I'm going to let you take this one away and explain it. Okay, so my cohort is not here, so it's time for a motherfucking throwdown. It's not as much fun when she's not I here. Would have, so. I would have done it with you, but it's, it's, no, it's, it's not, not the same. No, it's say, not it's your not thing. My no, thing. No, it's your no, thing. You just, just shush, 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 shut your face. Shush, shush. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, just shh, it's heart crawl. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's just not the same. So agent Nicole, come back to me, please. So we can yell and scream Get out into of the microphones. Um, but anyways, our battle for this week we have Radioactive Man and Fallout Boy versus Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy from SpongeBob SquarePants. So who do you think would win? It is a showdown of the cartoon cartoon superheroes. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be an interesting... I already know who I'm going to pick, but, uh, you know, uh, it's fine. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. But uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting battle. So hit us up on the Facebook page. Uh, obviously, you know, tell us your opinion. Let us know who you choose and why. Radioactive Man and Fallout Boy versus Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, I, I don't think we came up with like a specific... You know, arena for this. I think it's um, it, it's anything goes. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like where goes. it takes place. It's, just, like it's the anything sandbox. goes. It's anything you know, goes. But I, you know, I don't want anybody to have a specific you know advantage over the other. So let's just say it takes place on the moon. It takes place on the moon. That doesn't make any sense. In the sea of tranquility. So it's kind of like they're in the ocean, but it's not at all that. You're not making any sense. I at am all. making plenty of sense. The no, sea of so, tranquility okay. is on. The <clears throat> okay, so so it, it it's anything goes. Ignore Patrick, but now don't ignore Patrick because he's going to say stuff. Yeah. So uh, as some folks know, and I, I kind of alluded to this last week, um, we uh, we got the chance to go to Rhode Island Comic Con this weekend, uh, or the, actually a couple weeks ago now at this point. So we recently were at. No, uh, Rhode Island Comic Con, and you know we got some uh, some cool stuff because, like I mentioned last week, we really want to get uh, some people donating to charity. So we were able to get some autographed items. Um, some of the items we got, uh, we got some stuff from Meg Foster, who you might know from. And what is uh, this for? I'm, I'm I'm getting to that. You are horrible at explaining so things. So we got some stuff from Meg Foster, who you might know from Master of the Universe. They live 31 and Lords of Salem. We got some stuff from Samantha Newark, who we had on the show before, the voice of Jerrica and Jem from the original Jem and the Holograms uh, cartoon. And from Brian O'Halloran, you'll know him from Clerks and Dogma and you know pretty much anything that uh, Kevin Smith has done. And... The reason we got these things, they donated a, them to us because we were running our contest. The uh, uh, what, did, what did you name it? It is the first annual Throwdown for Charity. That's right. And we are encouraging folks to, uh, to donate to several charities, uh, any of your choice. Um, there are a couple that I specifically just learned about. Yeah, they may be uh, old news to you folks out there, but one of the ones I learned about, because I learned through a group called The Finest, which is a group of uh, folks who do G.I. Joe cosplay to raise awareness for different causes. And the cause that they were uh, championing at Rhode Island Comic Con was Canines for Warriors. And what Canines for Warriors does is they take uh, dogs out of kill shelters. These are normally healthy dogs that just, for whatever reason, aren't being adopted, and the kill shelters just don't have any room, so they euthanize these perfectly healthy dogs who just want a home and just want to be loved. They take the dogs, they train them, and they pair them up with a veteran who needs either a service animal or a therapy animal. And this way you are saving two lives with one shot. Uh, You're getting a dog out of a, a... out of a kill shelter, you're pairing him up with uh, a veteran. And actually one of the, uh, he wasn't at the con, but one of the gentlemen who uh, cosplays as Deep Six actually uh, is a recipient of this program. So he is a veteran who received a a therapy animal or a a service animal, I'm not sure which, uh, from from, uh, 
the Canines for Warriors. There's also, uh, we, we spoke to, and this is a, a charity that I'd been meaning to get in t- contact with for a while. They're known as the 501st. They're a group of uh, Star Wars cosplayers. Some of you folks may have actually seen them around. They do a lot of different charity events, a lot of conventions. Um, and they were there raising money for the Narrative Therapy Initiative, which is uh, to help raise awareness for mental health. Uh, they, The ones that we talked to were from the New England Garrison and Alderaan base. And they're doing this as... Uh, in, in honor of uh, the late Carrie Fisher, who, of course, was Princess Leia, because, you know, she had a lot of uh, mental health issues throughout her life. And, and she know, was a mental health advocate. Yes, she tries to raise awareness through, you know, her own experiences and, you know, use her own notoriety. Uh, not notoriety, that's not the word. Her her celebrity to kind of bring awareness to this. And so that's what uh, the 501st are doing now. So those are a couple of charities you could donate to. Also, uh, Toys for Tots, and Toys for Tots is near and dear to my heart because when I was growing up, we didn't have much money, and a lot of times, the only reason that uh, my brother and I had Christmas presents was uh, because of Toys for Tots. So that's uh, those are three of the charities you can donate to. Of course, if you have something, you know, if there's a uh, an animal shelter near where you live, maybe you volunteer at an animal shelter, or um, you know, there's a specific, you know. Uh, a, a, a shelter, maybe uh, like a, a battered women's shelter or homeless shelter, veterans shelter, where you volunteer your time. You know, send us pictures of this of this stuff. You the know. Poss- yeah, the possibilities are endless. The point of this is to spread love and be kind to each other this holiday season and always. And uh, definitely let us know what you're doing. Take pictures. Give, send us some proof and you will be entered into these really awesome raffles that we're doing. So definitely pay attention to the Facebook page. And we will also be posting this Twitter. on Twitter and Instagram. as well. And Instagram. I mm-hmm. Let me talk, Patrick. Oh, my God. No. Um, we will be posting more information. And like we said last week, this will start December 1st. However, you don't have to start December 1st. You can start now. Spread the love. Be kind out there. And you could win a prize. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a bunch of autographs. There's, um, we're going to be putting together some mystery boxes. Yeah. And there is a a very special prize donated by uh, Agent Nicole, uh, I'm just going to say it's an autograph. I'm not going to say who it's from, but it's going to be in one of our uh, our mystery boxes. So you will get a uh, an autograph of a very hot, uh, very uh, prominent uh, movie star who is... Uh, very relevant right now. Yes. Very relevant. Um, so yeah, definitely be on the lookout and for, uh, you know, for more information... And let's do some good. Yeah, let's, you know. Let's do some good. We will uh, we'll try and, uh, you know, get some. I'm, I'm in the process of talking to a couple of different groups. I know we're not, I know we're not, you know, a big charity, but I'm trying to get some stuff from other people. But, yeah, so keep, keep, uh, keep an eye out. We'll be, uh, we'll be posting stuff. And, uh, and I think that's about it. Uh, do we have anything else? Wolfie, you got anything? Um, nope. <laughs> all right. Can I sing my song now? God damn it. All right. Because it's Thanksgiving, 
of course, we need to hear a Thanksgiving carol. So, Ashes, would I, you like to sing our Thanksgiving carol? Yes, I am going to sing the song made famous by Linda Belcher of Bob's Burgers fame. You ready? I, uh, I guess... I guess Pass I, uh, the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. <laughs> Ooh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being there. Thank you for loving me. Everyone's thanking. The whole world's thanking you for thanking us for thanking you. Kill the turkey. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> She's only had half of four bottles of wine. <laughs> I don't get drunk. I just have fun. <laughs> so... With that being said, you know, hopefully everyone has a good Thanksgiving. Hopefully, Happy uh, Thanksgiving to all of you from all of us at yes. Throwdown Thursday. Even Agent Nicole, who is in space jail. For uh, she has committed every crime. So I think with that being said, we will see, see you, you next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs>